0: Right, so my best movie voice, previously in Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon and pretty much the whole of the Middle East. He's the head honcho, he's the ruler, um, he's the big guy. He's conquered Judah, the place where the Jews lived, and he has plundered its temple and he's carried the Jews off as slaves to serve in his palace. Daniel and three of his mates are the cream of the Judah crop and are trained for three years as the king's advisors or as his wise men. They are the cream of the crop, we're told, because God is with them. God has enabled them. King Neb has this dream and then he goes and he asks the wise men for an interpretation, which is pretty standard. It was usual for kings to have dreams and then go to the wise men or the advisors and say, tell me, what does this mean? Nebuchadnezzar goes a step further. He says, tell me what my dream was before you tell me what my dream means. And it's an impossible task. The wise men can't do it. So Nebuchadnezzar, being quite an arrogant, powerful kind of man, he says, well, if you can't do it, I'm going to execute you. So he puts an order out, for their execution. All the wise men are in danger. And Neb's soldiers start rounding up all the wise men, and they knock on Daniel's door, and Daniel's, What's going on? And says, No, 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 the king has ordered this decree that all the, all his wise men and advisers need to be killed. And Daniel asks why, they tell him why. And Daniel says, But I can interpret the dream. Um Daniel then gets his three mates together. And they pray and they beg, they ask God for his help. God answers Daniel's prayers and reveals what Nebuchadnezzar's dream is and its meaning. And it's there where we pick up with today's reading. Daniel chapter 2, verse
1: 46. So our reading starts uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 24. Then Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Ariok took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. As you were laying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than any other living man, but so that you, O King, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. You looked, O King, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth.
2: This was the dream, and now we'll interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixed with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy.
3: Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honour and ordered him and ordered that an offering and incense to be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of the God of gods and the Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position, and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon, and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shaddak, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, ninety feet high and ninety feet wide, and set set it upon the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon, he then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O people, nations and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp and pipes and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace.
0: So it's quite a long um, passage for this evening. We're not going to go into all the details of uh, the different aspects of the the statue. Um, But I think what we'll do this evening is just kind of have a flyover and try and get an overall view of what's going on um, here in Daniel 2 and 3. So the first thing I want to speak about this morning and for, for us all to note is that Nebuchadnezzar knows about God. And I think Nebuchadnezzar knows about God because Daniel has proclaimed him. Daniel has proclaimed God to Nebuchadnezzar. Take a look in 2 verse 37. Daniel says, You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. So Daniel describes God to Nebuchadnezzar as the God of heaven. Okay? Not just like the Babylonian gods would have been the gods of Babylon. Kind of a localized, area-defined God. God is the God of the heavens. The Jewish God, our God, is the God of everything. The whole of creation belongs to God. He is the God of everything. Take a look then as well at uh, chapter 2, verse 44. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. Daniel is telling Nebuchadnezzar that God's kingdom is a kingdom that is going to endure forever. The kingdom endures forever with a king that will reign forever. And as in the interpretation of the dream, kingdoms of this world will come, they will go. But not this kingdom, not God's kingdom. God's kingdom is eternal. It's never-ending. It is supreme. Take a look then in verses 27 and 28 and how Daniel explains to Nebuchadnezzar how his dream will be interpreted. He says, Daniel says, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. Daniel is saying that it's not through human skill or genius, but it's going to be through a demonstration of God's power that he'll be able to understand his dreams. It's God who's going to be able to do that. Daniel comes along and he interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Nebuchadnezzar hears what Daniel has said. Listen to Nebuchadnezzar's declaration. In 2.47, he's heard everything Daniel has said and he says, The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Nebuchadnezzar is recognizing something of who God is. He's agreeing with Daniel's views and he's amazed by God. He's saying, all that you have said about your God is true. God is who you have said he is. And so we go to get to this stage, and Nebuchadnezzar knows a lot about God now, and we kind of get the idea that Nebuchadnezzar's on board uh, with this whole God thing. But there's a couple of warnings that although Nebuchadnezzar knows a lot about God, he doesn't quite get it. He doesn't quite make the next logical step. And that takes us to the second thing I think we need to think about this evening. And that's knowing about God is not enough. So here's our first clue. We get to play a little bit of um, detectives this evening. So take a look at verse 47 again. See, maybe you can figure out what this first clue is. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. You see, Nebuchadnezzar knows all the stuff about God, but he still doesn't claim God is his own. He says, "Your God is the ruler of all mysteries. Your God is the is the Lord of kings and the God of gods." Here we have another another clue is that Even though Nebuchadnezzar knows that the interpretation of the dream comes from God, he just about worships Daniel instead of God. Um, Take a look in verse 46 and verse 48. In 46, King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid honor to him and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. And take a look at verse 48. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished him many gifts, sorry, and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. So Nebuchadnezzar sees something of God's glory. He doesn't quite get it. He still says to Daniel, "It's your God." He kind of circumvents God and he wants to give everything to Daniel, nothing to God. Even though Neb has an understanding of who God is his response is wrong. His head knowledge is right, but his response is wrong. Maybe you're like me and you get to the end of chapter 2 and you're a little bit hopeful and you think, yes, Neb's got it. You know, maybe he'll be a Christian. Maybe he'll be converted. But we, after these clues, we get to the start of chapter 3 and we see how far from God Nebuchadnezzar actually is. What is he going to do? What does what he do? What has he done? He builds this idol, this huge idol. Um, It's quite a strange thing. It's quite tall. It's quite narrow. But it must have been pretty impressive. And he says, guys, worship this. Neb knows who God is. And so, in a way, he circumvents that. He worships Daniel. And then he goes ahead and he builds this idol. It's quite astonishing to be faced with God. He recognizes who God is, is in some way, and the very next breath in how we have it in Scripture is he goes and he builds this idol. That's fickle. He's kind of almost gun ho. He's like amazed, oh, God is amazing, and he does all the stuff for Daniel, and you can, you know, God understood his dream, and he's helped Daniel, all that kind of stuff. He's the God of God, he's the Lord of kings. And his response is astonishing. He goes and builds an idol. It reminds me of James chapter 2. James says this to his readers. He says, You believe that there is one God. Good, James says. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. You see, knowing who God is, knowing about God, isn't enough. Even the demons know who God is. James says the demons believe in God. They get him. They understand what God is about. But it's not enough. It makes no difference. You see, we need to have more than just a knowledge of who God is. Nebuchadnezzar knew God, but his knowledge wasn't enough. So we've got Nebuchadnezzar on the one hand, who has this knowledge, basic knowledge of God and his response. Let's quickly take a look at Daniel. In chapter 1, what does Daniel do with his knowledge of God? Daniel 1 verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Daniel knows who God is, and he obeys God. Take a look at chapter 2 verse 18. Daniel faced with this problem. So what does he do? He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Daniel prays to God. He goes to God and begs God to help him. In the very next um, verse, verse 19, During the night the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Daniel obeys God. Daniel prays to God. Daniel praises God. And then in 2.28, Daniel proclaims God to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. See, Daniel takes his knowledge of God and he turns it into a relationship with God. There's other words you can use for that as well. Faith and trust. It's not a stagnant head knowledge. Daniel does something with it. So what is Neb missing? Have you guys ever had the frustration of trying to explain something to somebody? And as you're going, it could be a complicated math sum, it could be directions or whatever, and they're they're following you. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, yes, yes, good, okay. You get to the last bit and they're like, what? Or you're trying to sell a marketing idea to somebody. I don't know how many of you guys are in sales. But you're trying to sell something to somebody, and it's an absolute no-brainer. It's a clincher. It's a really obvious kind of thing. Give me one pound, and you'll get out a million pounds in 10 years' time. And he's uh, explaining this to the person. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, good. Yeah, got it. So are you in? No. That's kind of what's going on um, over here with Nebuchadnezzar. Taking the right action, responding in the right way to a head knowledge of God, helps us to share in God's kingdom. Daniel 2 gives us a really good idea of what God's kingdom is like. God's kingdom is formed by this rock that smashes the kingdoms of the world and it grows into a mountain that fills the earth. God's kingdom is so so much more superior to the kingdoms of the world First of all, it smashes the kingdoms of the world. It has that kind of power over them. It's much larger than the kingdoms of the world. The kingdoms of the world, in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, is this idol, this huge statue. God's kingdom is represented by this rock that grows into this huge mountain that covers the whole earth. God's kingdom is never-ending. And in fact, it's God's kingdom that ends the kingdoms of the world. But because Nebuchadnezzar doesn't convert his knowledge about God into a relationship with with God, he misses out on the blessings of being part of God's kingdom. You see, his head knowledge is not enough until it becomes a matter of his heart. I think for us, a lot of us know a lot about God and it all sits here in our minds. It doesn't drop those 12 inches to our heart. You see, God is, God is about head knowledge. Don't, don't think that God wants us to just have a kind of a dumb love. Romans 12 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's good to know a lot about God. I think Daniel is kind of saying, but if you don't do anything with that, it's of no good. It's useless. Head knowledge is good. It's good to open the scriptures and come to a better understanding of who God is and what he has done for us in the Bible. But we can't just have head knowledge. You see, I've read um, Bono's biography. I have heard a whole lot of interviews from Bono. But knowing a lot about Bono is not going to get me a free guitar lesson or a vocal lesson with Bono. Knowing a lot about Lance Armstrong isn't going to get him to teach me how to ride a bicycle. Knowing about someone is not enough unless you have a relationship with them. I'm sure Lance Armstrong taught his kids how to ride their bicycles. I'm sure Bono invites his family members over to his palace for dinner. I'm not going to get an invitation if I were to go up to Bono in the street and greet him, he might be a little bit polite, but I'm not going to probably get anything out of that um, contact. Knowing about God is not going to get you into his kingdom. But knowing God, having a relationship with him, will. I suppose all of us know something about God. Perhaps you know a little. Maybe you know a lot about God and you're like one of the kids in some of the Sunday school classes who irritate the Sunday school teacher to bits because they've got all the answers and before the teachers even ask the question the kids know the answers. Maybe you're sitting in the service and you kind of know where the where the preacher's going. You kind of got this all worked out in your mind. You understand what's going on. A little knowledge, a lot of knowledge but do you have a relationship with God? Is He... He has a very, um, uh, how can we say, um, offensive word maybe to Christians. Are we just pew warmers who come into preaching stations to hear more about God, to grow in our knowledge of God? Are we just sermon listeners, Bible lovers, Bible quiz experts? Do we have all the answers? Do we know all the apologetics? Or do we have a relationship with God? Do you know God the way Daniel does? Are you somebody that obeys him? Are you somebody that talks to him? Do you praise him when we're singing? Yeah. Or do you just stand there and just mouth the words? Or do you listen to the great words that we sing on a Sunday morning and you say, Amen, that's what I'm about. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you so much. Or is it just a matter of looking through a textbook and ticking the boxes that I came to church and I stood there? Maybe you feel you don't yet know enough about God. Why don't you get stuck into God's Word and have your mind renewed? Get to understand Him better. Come to find out what He has done. Come and speak to me or to one of the other pastors or the music guys over there. We'd love to help you understand more about God. We need to make up our minds so that we can make up our hearts. See, I'm so glad Rob showed that one verse up there. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You've got to love the Lord your God with all your mind. Find out more about Him. Think about the world He has created. Find out what He has done, what it means. Being a Christian is amazing because there's such a wealth of knowledge that comes to the Bible. Things that will absolutely amaze you about who God is and what God has done. With your whole soul, with everything that is in you, love Him. Love Him with all your strength love him with all your heart so we're going to pray and as we pray the question is do you know about God or do you know and love him
2: let's pray